Hey everyone, this is Becoming a Bible Nerd. I'm Carrie Hunt, and I'm so glad that you are joining us. I believe this ancient Eastern text was never meant to study alone, so we choose to do it in community. We will take one book a semester and one chapter a week to really dig in to understand the context and culture the book was written in so that we can better understand how to apply God's word to our lives. Our goal is to equip you and your community to fall more in love with Jesus because you have fallen in love with his word. This season, we are going through the book of Daniel, and today's episode is Daniel chapter 11, the intertestamental period prophecy. That is a mouthful. Well, before we get started, I'm so excited to tell you about something. We are now a listener-supported podcast and ministry. I will be posting our new website, and if you have been blessed by this ministry and you want to partner with us to further the gospel by sowing into Bible nerds, then we would be so honored. For those of you who don't know this, um, this whole idea was birthed while I was studying in Israel in 2016. It was Um, I was in Jesus's home base city of Capernaum. The Lord just started stirring in my heart something that I knew was um, big. It was from him. And I'd really never felt that way before. Um, In that city, we talked about discipleship and all of these light bulbs were just going off in my head. And it's as if God had been connecting a decade of dots in that one moment. So I came home and immediately started meeting with two girls in our church and teaching them how to read the text. And before I knew it, This ministry was online and had over a thousand listeners a week. Well, two years later, I went to Turkey on a study trip and there was a woman I met there and she spoke something over me that began stirring once again in my heart. She had asked why I hadn't applied to become a nonprofit and get my 501c3 so that other people could sow into this ministry and help it grow. Well, I've sat on that stirring for four years until now. So it is official as of yesterday. God has made it clear that it is time to go full-time into this and really add to the excellence um, of the program. And uh, there's just many other needs to reach others that I would need and a team of people to accomplish. And we would need to do this all during the week. So pray with me for Bible nerds and consider giving monthly as we help educate others. So um, we are getting in back into the chapter, chapter 11, and we're going to have to review. Now, more than ever, when we have the little saying at the beginning of the podcast that we need to do this in community, have I felt that this chapter needed to be studied in community. The first time I read it, once again, I thought, what on earth is happening? And to be honest with you, when we just started Daniel, from the very beginning, I knew that our church was doing this um, church-wide, and I usually try to pick the book of the Bible that our small groups are going through so that people in our church um, can can be reading along, and this can be a helpful tool for them, but also it is very difficult for me to study two different chapters at one time because of limited time, and so I try to stick with what my church is doing. Um, But as soon as I got started in this, immediately fear gripped me, and I thought, oh, what have I done? I had been comfortable in the Gospels. I just feel like they're easier to read. I had gone on two study trips to help me um, understand, and I had so much to pull from, so many notes to pull from, and I could... um, really lean on these. And when it comes to prophecy, when it comes to Old Testament prophecy, 
it really seemed overwhelming. But I just want to encourage you in this. God has been so faithful to show me things, and I know he will do the same for you. If we just stick with it, do it together, meet with other people, lean on their knowledge of what they gained during the week, I promise God puts all the puzzle pieces together for what we need to know. So just to review, last week we learned that in the third year of King Cyrus's reign, Daniel was probably in retirement, but he received a vision. This vision came as a result of his humility and his fasting. This experience left Daniel zapped of all energy, but he gained strength from one touch of this messenger. And the messenger also told him that he was dispatched because of Daniel's prayers, but he had been tied up in a battle with the principality in that territory for 21 days until Michael came to help him. So now we finally get to talk about that vision. It started with this messenger telling Daniel that he had been called to strengthen and protect Darius since the first year of Darius's reign. Now remember during his tenure, Cyrus, who we we know was over this whole Medo-Persian empire and it's a little unclear who Darius is. It could be a family member that was giving given territory over Babylon. It could be Cyrus himself. There's many different views. But we know that during the tenure of Cyrus, Jews were allowed to return home and start building. So what we see is that God had dispatched a messenger to make sure Darius was strong and protected so that this plan could take place. God is always working behind the scenes and he is active in politics and he is active with pagan rulers. Then the messenger goes on telling him more about the future. Of all the things that he could have revealed, he speaks about this particular time that we call the intertestament period. It's the time frame between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's also known as the silent years because a lot of things had been destroyed. There wasn't a lot of history recorded that can be found. And what I'm going to talk about today spreads over a period of about 470 years. Because of the many details of this vision, I'm going to be basically telling you the story of how it played out in history instead of going back and forth from scripture to history, because I think that I'll confuse myself and therefore I'll confuse you. So I'm going to do the best I can at the beginning. We'll talk a little bit about scripture, but then we'll just go on to historical facts that line up with this chapter. Three more kings were going to rise up from Persia, and the last one was going to be richer than the others, and this was probably Xerxes. Then a warrior king would arise and rule a vast realm and do whatever he wanted to do, and we can see that this is Alexander the Great. Josephus, this is just a little interesting tidbit, Josephus, the Jewish historian, recorded that Alexander arrives in Jerusalem and was shown the book of Daniel by the high priest, whom Alex had seen prior to his trip in a vision. So this greatly impacted him when he arrives in the city and he sees the very man that was in his vision. And this holy experience impacted him so much that he granted religious tolerance to the Jews. Again, we see God working in politics. Then his kingdom quickly changed by his sudden death and the kingdom was broken up into four, um, divided into four parts each led by his four generals. We've talked about this over and over and over. Then quickly, or I'm sorry, I lost my place in my notes. Uh, The vision of today is mainly going to deal with two of the four generals, specifically Ptolemy, who was over Egypt, and he is called the king of the south. 
and the Seleucid Empire. This is going to be Syria and Babylon. This is the king of the north. Now, this was not going to just be one king over Egypt and one king over Babylon. They are going to die and their ancestors are going to come in. So we are talking about these territories, the Ptolemy and the Seleucids. Both men were at constant war over the prized piece of land that was in between them called Israel or the beautiful land. And it is interesting that this is this was placed right between them and it was so coveted because it was a major trade route between parts of the known world. So the king of the south will occupy and control the land, but eventually alliance would be made because of this constant conflict. So the king of the south, which is Ptolemy the second, sends his daughter Bernice to the king of the north, Antiochus II, to seal this agreement. Here is the twist. Antiochus had to divorce his current wife, Laodice, for this treaty, and he disinherited his two sons by her as well. Well, he couldn't resist true love, and also Ptolemy II died. So two years later, he ends up reconciling with Laodice, only to be poisoned by her, and then she had Bernice and her son murdered. So now Bernice's brother, remember these, Bernice was originally from the south, Ptolemy, Egypt, think that. Her brother, Ptolemy III, rises up to come against the north to defend her death. He successfully invades Syria and he captured two major cities and he takes a lot of plunder with him. He triumphs over this area for a short season, but he has to return home to take care of things. At this point, Lady Lo- Laodice. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Her son, Seleucid II, regains control of Syria. So this is going back and forth, back and forth for power. So now the north, Seleucid II, invaded Egypt, but was forced to withdraw. Seleucid Seleucid II dies and leaves the kingdom to his son, Seleucid III, and he was then murdered. His brother, Antiochus III, was then crowned and moved in against Ptolemy the fourth and gained Israel and Palestine, but was later defeated and lost the beautiful land. Again, if your head is spinning, just know that different people are dying in each family. And again, this territory of Israel, Palestine is going back and forth from Egypt to Syria, from Egypt to Syria. Ptolemy the fourth, the king of the south, mysteriously dies. So Ptolemy V takes the crown and he was so young. One source said that he was six. Another said he was five. And Antiochus III takes advantage of this, and he now gains Palestine, or Israel. The Jews living there become divided with one another. Half were pro-north, half were pro-south. Whoever gave them the most religious freedom was basically who they sided with. And Antiochus III was really very friendly to the Jews. He allowed them to self-govern, and he made the high priest the local ruler. And we're not to confuse him with Antiochus IV, his son, who was... A preamble for the Antichrist. Antiochus III was pretty friendly to the Jews. Now enters Rome. Remember that fourth medal in King Nebi's um, statue? We know that after this Greek empire falls, Rome takes over. So this is the beginning of them building their empire. They become a major threat. So now the North and South need to make an alliance. Antiochus III gives his daughter, Cleopatra, who we all know as a household name, to Ptolemy V as a wife. Remember that little kid that was five or six? Well, he's about 16 now. And she was between the ages of 14 and 23. 
He planted her as a spy, but she becomes staunchly loyal to her husband. And she influ influences this little pipsqueak to make an alliance with Rome. Despite his alliance with Egypt, Antiochus grabs control of some Egyptian coastlands. So he didn't care. Her dad didn't care of his alliance with Egypt. He starts moving in and taking over. Now, because of Rome's alliance, they have to now get involved, and they crush Antiochus and left him short of funds. So now he starts going into territories that they have captured, and he plunders the treasuries, and because of this, he ends up getting murdered. Now enters the main villain, Antiochus IV, our old picture of the Antichrist. He probably takes power from himself. The details are kind of sketchy about the murder of his brother when he was hostage in Rome when Antiochus IV was hostage in Rome. We don't really know, but there is suspicion that he had the brother killed so that when he got released as hostage, he could take over. Now remember, the high priests were allowed to rule at this time in Israel, and not anyone could be a high priest. It was a hereditary thing, and it was for life. You had to be a direct descendant of Aaron, Moses' brother. Well, a fellow named Onias, Onias the third was the official high priest, but his brother offers a bribe to Antiochus the fourth, and Antiochus agrees to it. And then another guy comes along, Menelaus, and he wasn't even from the right family, but he offers Antiochus a bigger bribe, and he becomes the high priest, and he has the original rightful high priest killed. Antiochus moves on to invade Egypt and gains control of a lot of it, but not the capital, Alexandria. Can you just imagine this life where every couple of years, another king was coming in and taking over, and then your king would rise up and take over their territory? Well, at this point in time, Ptolemy VI was crowned at age six. He was Cleopatra's son. And honestly, just curiosity got the best of me, and I thought, how can a six-year-old rule? Well, they had courtiers, who made the real decisions during this time. Antiochus captures him, so the courtiers make his little brother king. So while Antiochus had the young boy, he made an alliance with him that was fake because you, he could never be trusted. Antiochus, his plan did not work out because when he was the, the little boy king was returned and released to go home, his mother Cleopatra reconciled the two brothers where they both became joint kings or pharaohs of Egypt. When I say king, the pharaoh were the ruling king. Antiochus goes after Egypt, but again, remember, this is where the Roman general comes in now, Gaius Pompilus Leonis, <laughs> and he drew a circle around him and said if he steps out of, a out of the circle, Rome is going to get involved, and this causes... Antiochus to retreat, and he goes back and wrecks havoc in Jerusalem. He desecrates the temple. We've talked about this before, so I won't go into major detail. Something that did make me choke up, though, was that this time I was reading the copies of the Torah were searched out and destroyed. This was part of that, those silent years where things of Christianity or, or, or Judaism were just completely crushed and destroyed, and we see Satan at work here. Remember, he had also stopped the Sabbath. He had stopped circumcision. He had changed up the food laws, and there had... Um, been times in kings in, in kings past where they tried to come in and do things to the temple, but God had intervened in miraculous ways. I had read in my studies of this that one of the 
the kings had been paralyzed right before he went into the temple. He wasn't allowed to. God was intervened, but this time God allows Antiochus to enter, to, to um, put up a, a, a statue, an idol to Zeus. And I think it's perhaps because God had someone prepared to rise up for such a time as this. And that's exactly what happened. Matthias Hasmonean. The, late, the name, the family name is going to be later changed to Maccabeus. So we've talked about this already. Um, the Catholic Bible contains First and Second Maccabees. This is a historical account of the story. I encourage you to go read it. it. It is something that happened in Israel's history. That's where Hanukkah came from. But Matthias Hasmonean, he was a Jewish priest. He had had enough. And he has started a revolt with five of his sons and a remnant of Jews and they won. The, three years later, they were able to come in and cleanse the temple. The persecution of the, fa- the faithful Jews was recorded in 1 Maccabees 1 and 2 and 2 Maccabees 6 and 7. Many Jews were martyred, but the Hasmonean family set up a ruling dynasty during Israel's darkest days, which lasted about 80 years. And these people were faithful to God's word, and there was a lot of pushback from letting Greek culture influence Israel during their reign. At verse 36, everything seems to shift from Antiochus to the little horn of chapter 7, the final Antichrist. We will pick up here at verse 36 next week, along with finishing chapter 12. Chapter 12 is pretty short. So I just think that this is so exciting. I am going to share some really um, interesting things to me next week that has to do with some prophecies that I found in the Dead Sea Scrolls from the Essenes. Um, These prophecies are, well, I'm going to save that for next week. (laughs) There's a lot of fun things to talk about. So I just encourage you to finish strong. We have one more week. Those of you that are listening to this, I'm so proud of you for sticking along with me and you've truly made it a joy. So we're going to finish from 36 in chapter 11 through the end of it and through chapter 12. I'll see you next week. Happy reading.